a long time ago, before the founding of Thandor, before Duradera fled into the sky, and even before the seemingly eternal sandstorm raged in the south. Turmoil and strife ruled over the land of yonder. All of the world's kingdoms fought never-ending wars over power and resources, both of which fueled the largest boom in technological and magical innovation ever seen in those days. While other kingdoms worked to perfect the arts of smithing and enchantment, one kingdom in the southernmost region of yonder sought a different sort of tactic. The kingdom of Escondia sits at the foot of the Escondite Mountains that separate yonder from the Southern Sea. Protector of the Escondite Mountains, King Beor, or as he would come to be known, Beor the Heedless, was, like many of his societal stature, blinded by ambition. Only his nearsightedness would ultimately bring ruin to the entire land of yonder. Under the king's command, a team would gather to search for the source of magic in our world. This team consisted of eight mages, powerful casters, one from each of the classic schools of magic, abjuration, alteration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, illusion, invocation, and necromancy. The leader of the team was the king's magical advisor, an archmage who specialized in divination named Azon Dent. Azon Dent and his team searched for seven years in vain. After all, how does one find the source of something so intangible? It was no simple task. The king's mages went mad searching through to the ends of the known world. They neither slept nor ate for days on end. As hope dwindled down to nothing, it was the Archmage's brother, Zoil Dent, a young necromancer who opened their mind to possible answers no one had conceived of before. Perhaps our connection to magic exists not in a physical shrine or wellspring in yonder, but as an intangible connection to something elsewhere. This would be the beginning of yonder's exploration into the Planarverse. With that, the Kingdom of Escondia rose to a new level of power. All other kingdoms' influence waned as Escondia's superior knowledge outpaced all others' attempts at competition. With Azon Dent at Beor's side, it seemed like his kingdom would reign forever. After all, the mystery of the Planarverse was a well-kept secret. It was, however, only a matter of time until word got out as to how they achieved such success. If they were able to figure it out, so could anyone else. Azon assured King Beor that their head start would surely be enough to keep themselves on top. While Beor's trust in Azon did not falter, he grew nervous. He had seen the possibilities that the Planarverse bestowed upon them. This was a great power and potentially an even greater responsibility and it all sat on his shoulders. Not all who have great power have it because of their great character or great strength. And with that, not all things that come with great power are good. Over the next few years, Beor's demeanor changed as his fear overcame him. He fell ill. 
All of the healers in Escondia tried in vain to heal him, but the source of his sickness eluded them. Fear, it seemed, had weakened Beor to the point that he was hardly even recognizable, and it was this weakness that would lead to rumblings within his magical council. Zoyul Dent began to dissent from his brother. Zoyul began to advocate for action. He believed that the power of the Planarverse was a gift that they were chosen to receive, and that gift should be used. His brother would shut down this type of talk whenever it would come up, for he feared the repercussions of that sort of talk. Azon did not know what his brother's intentions were, but he grew suspicious. And his suspicions turned to worry as Zoyil and King Beor became close. After some time with the voice of dissent in his ear, Beor's health began to improve. In fact, he began to look better than ever. His people fell in love once again with a newly revitalized king. Those close to him, however, quickly began to notice that he was different. He had changed. His inner circle was most surprised when Azan Dent was replaced by his younger brother Zoil Dent as Archmage of Escandia. King Beor and Zoil Dent grew incredibly close. In fact, they were rarely apart. Even the Magical Council saw less and less of the king until eventually they stopped meeting altogether. The king and his archmage began to make decisions all on their own. The council was unhappy with this, but Azon Dent in particular grew fearful of what this could mean. After weeks of silence, the magical council met in secret to discuss these changes apparent in King Beor. The council talked in depth for a long time and discussed many things. However, the main topic of conversation was Zoil. In fact, it was his own brother Azon who not only called the meeting, but chose his brother as the topic of conversation. He revealed everything he knew about his brother to the other mages, and he told him of this troubling talk. Though he knew not of Zoil's plans or wishes, he did know that they were of a dark and dangerous nature. This meeting would last many hours, but would only be disbanded by intervention. Zoyal Dent eventually caught word of this secret meeting and sneakily began to eavesdrop. Fearing this potential mutiny, Zoyal recognized that his only option was to attempt to get ahead of it. He rushed to the king to inform him of this traitorous meeting. Zoyal told Beor of his brother's jealous hatred of him upon taking his place as Archmage of Escandia. He told him about the secret meeting of all the mages and their plot against the king, their plot against the kingdom. King Beor's newly reattained vigor began to leave him as fear once again began to creep over him. Zoil noticed this and placed a calming hand on his shoulder. He assured him that he should not worry. I will take care of this. Beor nodded as the color began to return to his cheeks. The secret meeting of the Magical Council was brought to a swift halt as, seemingly out of nowhere, they were overtaken by twenty of the King's knights being led by none other than Azon Dent's brother. In that moment, he felt the horrible feeling of betrayal, but did not realize that he shared this feeling with his brother. He likely never learned this, as they were all swiftly put on trial and subsequently sentenced to death for the crime of treason. Though Azon pleaded with his brother to spare them, the damage had been done. Zoyil turned his back on his brother's pleas, 
as the king gave the command. A tear fell down his cheek as pleas turned to silence and were followed by the unmistakable sound of a head thumping to the ground. Unsurprisingly, this was far from the end of King Beor's mistakes. With all of the magical council dead, save for Zoil, there was no longer anyone to question the decisions of the necromancer. And because of this, his tactics were emboldened. If King Beor wanted total power, or even total safety for his people, he would need to take drastic measures. At least that's what Zoil would tell him. Iskandia had only begun to scratch the surface of the power of the Planarverse. Zoil believed that he knew a way to establish them and their kingdom as a global force for good. Though King Beor began to grow fearful again, he decided that he would no longer let this fear overtake him, not like last time. After all, who else would he turn to? Over the next year, Zoil Dent would begin to meet regularly with a new team of casters and researchers to prepare for their new big plan. Bayor gave the necromancer complete control over this mission and trusted his friend not to lead them into ruin. This would prove to be his greatest mistake yet. Zoyul Dent and his team of casters would gather at the northernmost gate of Escandia. King Beor would wait in his tower where he could oversee from a distance. Hoping to make a statement to the other kingdoms north of Escandia, Zoyul and his team worked to develop some kind of magic that would bring some of the power of the Planarverse down to yonder itself. They began their long and tedious rituals seemingly in vain. Being that this was new magic, no one knew how long it would take to conjure. Many of the casters voiced concerns, but Zoyil implored them to press on. The magic burned their skin and nearly blinded many of them as they continued to push forward despite the pain it was causing. Suddenly the grass and dirt around them began to shift. The wind picked up and howled as it became more and more strong. The casters all held their ground as the grass was pulled up into the air. The wind began to swirl into the shape of a cyclone, forming in the middle of the group. After a moment of swirling, the cyclone began to ignite. Fire began to spread and swirl fiercely in circles. This cyclone of fire began to grow tall, nearly 100 feet into the air. And then in an instant, it shrunk down to the size of an apple. A small orb of fire, no more than four inches across, hovered just above the ground in front of them. The group all stood there with bated breath, waiting to see what would happen next. And after an uncomfortably long time, the ball of fire began to rumble. Small strands of fire shot out sporadically from different parts of the orb. However, they quickly became more frequent and more aggressive. Within 20 seconds, the orb began to shake and shoot fire out violently, and within 40, the orb exploded. The ball shot up 50 feet into the air and grew instantly to immense size. The color of the fire began to shift as the fire was seemingly replaced. This orb no longer threw flames around it, but rather sand. Sand began to shoot out of this monstrous orb, knocking back each of the casters. 
In fact, so much sand began to shoot out that all of the casters were forced to retreat. Sand coated the land around them and filled the air. The wind continued to keep sand rushing around them. They were now in the midst of a horrible, deafening sandstorm. They fled back to the city walls as quickly as they could. From his tower, King Beor could see this orb. He could see the sand coating the land around them, and he could see less and less as it went. His visibility was clouded by the thick wall of sand occupying the air around the city. The color once again left his face as he could see his team of casters and confidants fleeing back to the city. What had they done? a sentiment that would be expressed many times in the coming moments. The roar of the sandstorm began to reach Escandia, and its people began to panic. People walking around fled to their homes and barricaded their windows. Knights helped to usher those in need to safety. They all, however, would stop in their tracks as they heard a different sound, a sound like a scream cutting through the roar of the sand. It began with a rumble, and then quickly shifted to a sharp, cutting scream. Beor's eyes bolted back towards the orb. He could hardly see its center at this point, but he could see enough. A blue light began to arc outward from the center. At first it was faint, but it quickly began to grow brighter and brighter, and after a moment, the light began to take shape. A beast of immeasurable size began to step through this orb. A walking mountain of blue and white clouded by the raging sandstorm screamed as it stepped foot onto this plane of existence. The passing, as this beast would come to be known, stepped out of the portal and roamed the land for 13 days. This creature came not with fire breath, it did not cast lightning bolts, it did not even swipe its claws, it merely roamed the land. However, its power was unfathomably huge. Its existence here seemed plenty to lay ruin to the land it touched. It leveled kingdoms and cities all throughout yonder. Most cowered in fear, but some chose to fight back. The passing, however, seemed to be unfazed by these attempts on its life. Seemingly not so much as a scratch was left on the beast, as it destroyed lives and livelihoods. On the thirteenth day, the passing made its way back to Escandia. King Beor had completely retreated into his castle, as he feared the death he knew was coming. Zoyol Dent, however, stood at the gates waiting for the beast. If this was his time to go, then he would not go down quietly. The sandstorm in front of him shifted from a dark sandy brown to a faint blue as the creature neared his city. As the creature grew even closer, its face slowly came into view. In the center of its forehead was a spiral marking that spun as if alive on top of its skin. Its sharp, deep blue eyes stared right into Zoyul's. He tried to keep his mind as his own while this creature battled with him mentally. Its jagged crystalline skin rattled and shifted as it breathed a steady, constant rumble. Zoyo could feel himself losing this contest of constitution, 
but the beast's concentration faltered as the rest of the new magical council came to his aid. The passing's jagged skin began to quake as the beast grew angry. The ground followed suit and the council struggled to maintain balance. At this moment, the creature began to advance on the casters, and in turn, the city. The council looked at Zoil, who gave a knowing nod. The group looked around at each other as they began to cast a new spell. They funneled all their powers together once again, and a ball of fire began to grow. Only this one seemed stable. It was not the same spell as before, but similarly powerful. With the combined might of all of these casters, they formed a fireball the likes of which had never been seen. As the beast closed in on them, the fireball grew too large and too hot to remain among the casters. Zoyal Dent turned back to the passing and locked eyes once again as it approached. The creature hesitated for just a moment as it perceived what Zoyal's stare was attempting to communicate. The casters threw the fireball at the beast in this moment of hesitation and connected with its throat. The beast let out a pained roar even louder than before. The orb had caused some sort of damage to this mountain of a beast. A wound opened up in the creature's neck and a large drop of blue blood fell from it. On its way down to the ground, this blood crystallized and sank deep into the sand that continued to rage around them. Despite their moment of victory, the casters once again watched as the passing continued forward into their city. Zoyul Dent and his casters dropped to their knees as each of them was crushed beneath this horrible beast. The kingdom of Escandia and most of its residents would succumb to the same fate as each of the other major kingdoms of the land. That night, while the few survivors cowered in fear, the creature vanished, leaving behind two things. A ravaged land plagued by an eternal sandstorm and a small pocket of land within, unaffected. <laughs>